Hello and welcome to United on Wheels. What's going on? What's up? It's me, Paul. I'm Adias Lane. I am so delighted to have you on this edition of the show today. Why? Because we're going to talk about gaming, adaptive gaming. But we're also going to meet an incredible member of our United Spinal Association family. He's down at the Atlanta chapter. We're going to find out about his journey in the SEI community, but also how he's helping, helping to bring adaptive gaming to our community. You do not want to miss that coming up here shortly. Before we bring him on, don't forget, you can always connect with me, paulamadeuslane.com. That's how you can find me on all social media platforms is Paul Amadeus Lane. And we can connect. We can be friends. Let me know what you think about our podcast. You have any subjects you want us to touch on in the spinal cord injury community? Let us know. And we got you covered. Yes, we do. Don't forget to go to our website, unitedspinal.org. We are still in our Strong Will Together campaign. You don't want to miss that. You don't know what that's about. You can find out on our website. It's an incredible campaign, just recognizing uh, just the, the things that we've been able to do in the community. We're part of the Mobility Challenge family. The contributions that we've made in many different fields out there, you can check us out. All right, without any further delay, Let's bring on our very special guest. I am so delighted to have with me right now, Dr. T. Welcome. How are you doing? Great. Thank you. Thank you, Paul. So great to have you and have this opportunity to, to chat with you. Um, you're well known within uh, the United Spinal uh, Association family. Uh, you do some writing with New Mobility Magazine. So it's uh, my uh, honor to to, to chat with you and we get a chance to get to know you a little better. We we see your writings, we see your articles, but now now the spotlight is on you, my friend. So you ready? I'm ready. All right. So Dr. T, let, let's talk about your journey with uh, spinal cord injury. If you don't mind sharing that with us, please. Oh, sure. Uh, it started 40 years ago in July 27th, 1982. Uh, I was injured secondary to a diving accident. So I had recently had uh, surgery for Crohn's disease. So I grew up with a chronic uh, condition and it left me with uh, a bag on my side. Um, and so uh, the doctor said, don't let the bag keep me from doing whatever I wanted to do. And I said, well, my job back is a lifeguard. So he signed my, my thing to go back to work. My permission slipped. And uh, I think it was one of the first weekends back. And I used to work on Long Island Sun, but because of my, being away, I had to take a position on Lake Mohegan in Fairfield, Connecticut. And it was the end of the day. I was going to fix a, uh, a buoy and I asked somebody to, for a surfboard and the, the woman said, no, no, you don't need it. And so I ran out and I had a tool in, in one hand because I was just going to fix a buoy. And I had a habit of putting my right hand over my bathing suit because I held, hid this ileostomy bag under my bathing suit. So it wouldn't come off and I ran in and I dove over a line that was supposed to separate the deeper end. And I did a flip and I head planted instead of going all the way over. And that, that was, that was my entry into this world of, of disability. So that was 40 years ago. I was in business school. It was between my junior and senior year. I went on, I graduated with a degree in finance 
that wasn't floating my boat working in the bank. I went to Durable Medical Sales. Uh, and then from there, that company was sold back to school, got an MPH, Master's in Public Health. And that's when I began to focus on sexuality, education, and counseling and spinal cord injury rehab. And then I went on to get a PhD in that area. So, you know, that's most of my writing and most of the, what I'm known for uh, is in the area of sexuality and disability. And, and Dr. T, when you were going through uh, your injury early on, was sexuality uh, you thought um, was not talked about enough in our community? And that kind of shifted your focus when you got a little older to really kind of meet that need of someone who, number one, is a part of our community, and, and number two, someone who can help out our community. If you don't mind sharing that with us, please. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I was very curious. I was wondering what was happening to me. Why do I get an erection? Why can't I ejaculate? Why can't I feel this? Um, so, and there weren't, there weren't good answers. You know, the doctors were like, and, and will, I, will I ever have children? All I was told is like, and this was in 1982, well, your chances of having children are about 10%. And nothing about my, my sexual life. Um, there were uh, some older videos out there, but they were, um, you know, they, they were, they were shown in rehab, but they weren't, um, shown with a lot of good processing. So anyway, I was kind of, I felt like I was on my own to explore my sexuality and I just took it to a, another level. You know, I, I read a lot and I, and I experimented a lot. And uh, as I learned, I shared because truthfully it was like other people with spinal cord injuries who shared little secrets with me, um, you know, through, United Spinal and through, you know, our meetings. So there was a, you know, older uh, guy, John Schatzline, who had done a lot with sexuality and, and, you know, shared information about using a vibrator. And that's how I ended up having my son through vibrostimulation and at-home insemination. And then I wrote about that experience in New Mobility and other people contacted me and sent me pictures of their children. So I think we're just passing on the the knowledge, but the difference, I think, when I got involved, you know, I set up a website in 1996 called sexwealth.com, and it was to, you know, end the silence around sexuality and disability. So the ability to share information more broadly, uh, I think, has made the difference. So it's just not, you know, in a little room in a circle at a meeting, you know, once every few years. So now that information could be disseminated you know, to, to millions. And I, I really did, you know, touch millions of people over the years when I ran sexualhealth.com from uh, 96 when I launched it to about 2010, 2011, when I had sold it to a telemedicine company. And, you know, that's um, something that I remember when I first got injured um, and, and I thought I was injured a long time to you and I talked, <laughs> I'm, I'm going on 30 years in, in uh, in November of next year, and you, you have me by about 10 years plus. Yeah. And, and and that was one of the things that I remember when I first got hurt that I kind of grappled with, like, wow, you know, because you hear about what paralysis mean, what it, what it is, and, and it, it's not talked about enough with our community. So a lot of people are depressed about what their outlook will be when it comes to having an intimate relationship, uh, about having kids and, and, and all the other things that go along with it. And we are uh, so blessed, Dr. Tita, to have you not only a member of our community, but uh, be a, a professional um, in the community that can guide us when it comes to sexuality. And yeah. and and oftentimes, you know, people think that sexuality is a dirty subject and not, and not to talk about. 
but it, it's something uh, that's real life experience, especially for ones in the SEI uh, community who are married, who are in relationships, who who want to have children of what their outlook is, because that can be the the difference between someone being being depressed and and, and giving up to looking at what the uh, future may hold for them in their different relationships. Yeah. I mean, it's also important for a lot of single people when they first get injured and they think their sex life is over, you know, and it's, uh, you know, it's pointless. Why bother? That's I did research on pleasure and orgasm after spinal cord injury early on, you know, people are thinking, you know, it's not the same. It's not normal. And they experiment sometimes, most of the times, the first time is with uh, self-pleasure or masturbation and whether it's they can't feel it or it's diminished sensation or they don't get aroused the same or they don't ejaculate or they don't lubricate, whatever. They say it's not the same. It's not normal. It's pointless. Why bother? And sometimes then people go on to have a lived experience with a partner and that's not good. You know, partner. I did a lot of research with women and there's some ugly stories of partners leaving them, cheating on them, avoiding sex with them, comparing them to other people or to before their injuries. And um, and so that really could really hurt people's uh, sexual esteem. Uh, uh, but also on the flip side, it was a, a relationship with a significant other, you know, that, that marked a peak sexual experience when there was trust and safety. So when people felt like they could trust their partner, they felt, you know, emotionally safe, they were able to be more vulnerable and they were more open to, to pleasure. So that trust and safety led to a sense of connectiveness, which, was associated with pleasure and even orgasm sometimes 8 10 15 years after injury so there there is hope uh the earlier people start and keep an open mind and talk with other people and learn about how they could you know compensate for lost sensation and etc um the better their chances of of recovering their sexual health uh, more quickly so dr t if you don't mind sharing uh, some of the challenges that 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 you face, not necessarily with, with sexuality, but just adjusting when you were newly injured, and 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 how did you kind of overcome uh, those different challenges? Um, boy, besides sexuality, because uh, you know, <laughs> connecting with somebody, you know, uh, on a sexual level instead of just a friendship level was something that you know I think everyone goes through. Um, boy, you know, I, my father had passed away before I broke my neck. Uh, so it was just my mother and I, uh, and, uh, you know, just like typically you'd go home and there's no ramp in your house yet. And people have to help you down this step and all that. And, you know, the very embarrassing thing and my mother having to cast me, that was probably the most, most embarrassing thing someone could go through. Um, and, uh, you know, that was, uh, and then, yeah, I had to negotiate. Uh, fortunately I, I broke my neck at work. So I work was workers comp. Uh, but I had to negotiate to get myself back to school where I was out of state and not in state. Uh, so I basically, I had to be a self-advocate from the beginning. Uh, before I got on workers' comp, they were trying to push me into a um, residential facility. Uh, but through fighting uh, and finding out what my rights were, they built a, a whole room onto my mother's house. So I had my whole accessible suite, roll-on shower, study area, all that stuff. Um, so I... I I think, you know, between my mother's advocacy and my own, um, it's very important to learn how to fight for, for what, for what you want. And it, it first, you have to understand what, what you're entitled to. So, you know, I've learned whenever there's an issue, 
you know, I, I go and I see what the law is, whether it's the Americans with Disabilities Act or whatever. Um, sometimes I call the Department of Justice and I tell them the situation. Once I know what my rights are, I will fight for whatever I'm entitled to. You know, and if if I if it's not something that I'm legally entitled to, then I will take a different tact and still try to get what I want. Uh, but obviously, I don't have the same leverage as, as saying, you know, what the steps I'll take. So, you know, it was, you know, just trying to get people to understand I wanted to go back to school where I was going and to do what I was doing. I didn't want to be forced into computer science, which the Department of Rehab Services wanted to do. And in retrospect, I probably would have been doing very well and made a lot of money um, doing it. But I, I just didn't want to do what they thought I had to do as someone who was a quad. You know, I wanted to go back. I finished a degree in finance. I took a job in banking. I didn't get the job I wanted. I went to Wall Street to interview. Uh, but because of my disability, they thought I wasn't going to be good for to be a commercial lender. So they offered me an auditing job in, in Long Island instead of New York City. I'm like, no. So I took a job in a local bank in Connecticut and, and started in the finance area because that's the area I thought I wanted to do. But just through my really involvement with United Spinal, from my early days, you know, I started getting more involved with the chapter and chapter leadership. And that led me to a job in durable medical equipment sales and then back to Yale for my, my degree in public health. So all that was through my association with our board members uh, in Connecticut at the time at United Spinal. So I've, I've got a lot to thank uh, for United Spinal. For, for that. I mean, well, I mentioned you know, John Schottstein and that was also at a, at, at a national meeting. So really United Spinal has been there, you know, for 40 years. Uh, and I still read religiously. One of the things I read every month is new mobility, you know, and I just, I just talked to Ian. I'm like, your last bully put, you know, it's like, <laughs> it was, uh, it, it was painful because I, I go through a lot of the same experiences that he was talking about with hemorrhoids and stuff, you know, as I could feel his pain and, see my future but i mean it's it's good stuff it's it it's what everybody in combination they they have articles on what touches our lives on a daily basis aging with a disability in my case you know uh different different concepts so no and that it's very, also, find, it's very important to find support yeah it's yeah and, and, even if it's a supportive other you know a mentor with a disability it's you can't do it alone you you won't get the resources you need yeah, and thank you for uh, for sharing that, uh, Doctor T, because um, I, I find out that some of us elder statesmen who have been disabled for many years, we're able to uh, to to help the the newer generation that's coming, and also we can all learn from each other too, from our experiences. Uh, for some of us who've been injured for decades and and continuing to live, and uh, and one, one one thing that impressed me about you, and and just your journey, uh, you did all this before the Americans with Disability Act, you know, you did a lot of fighting, you know, before, but you were injured before that law even came into practice and, and, and you didn't yeah, give up. Yeah. You just kept on going. Yeah, no, I watched a lot of things change over the years. You know, when I was injured and in, did my rehab at NYU at Rusk Institute Rehab, New York city. Uh, and my uncle lived in the city. So he'd pick me up every Thursday and we'd go out for ribs at a different place in New York city. And that was that's what day. I'm talking about. Ribs. ribs. And so, maybe one in 10, 10 buses were accessible. And that one bus was maybe one in 10 chance that the driver one had the key and knew how to operate it and it was working, you know? And so it was very hard uh, to get any kind of public transportation. You couldn't really get on the subway 
you know, like 42nd Street and like 140, you know, 125th or somewhere. They were very limited access points for the subway. Uh, yeah, so I watched, you know, accessible transportation, uh, more curb cuts, you know, uh, more accessible bathrooms. Oh, geez, finding a bathroom in New York City in 1982 is impossible. <laughs> Everything was like down a few steps. Um, so, you know, a lot of people don't realize how far we've come. Uh, and, and that's fine. A lot of people take, take all that for granted and are, are, they push like nothing's happened, like nothing's been done, which is fine. That's their experience. But you know, we, sh we shouldn't rest on our laur laurels, but we really have come uh, remarkably far in 40 years in, in accessibility for people with disabilities. Yeah, yeah, we have. And when I hear like some of the, the grumblings from like uh, the younglings in the, in our, in our, in our crew, I'm yeah. like, you, got, you have no idea how hard it was for us when we, but, right. uh, but, 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 you know, but I, but, but, but I hear them and with some of the challenges that we can teach them patience and, and just how to, how to, how to navigate through it. And we can learn a lot from them too. Absolutely. I want to, I want to spend some time with uh, you about being a, uh, with the chapter uh, down in uh, in the Atlanta area with United Spinal, and um, you have a pretty weighty responsibility uh, down there at that chapter. Why don't you tell everyone about uh, your responsibilities for our sure. chapter down in uh, down well, in uh, I, I, since Atlanta. we talked since we talked at our last board meeting, I've been voted in as our new president. But that's not the big responsibility, you know. As vice president, and I was asked uh, uh, when there were some grant offerings from the Craig H. Nielsen Foundation, what, what can we, what can we get a grant for? And I was like, we need uh, a team like the quad gods down here. So, you know, in new mobility, I've saved the magazine, uh, you know, with the, featuring the quad gods, which is an adaptive uh, esports team in New York city. And, uh, and so they said, go for it. So I, I wrote a grant uh, to start the first uh, community-based adapted video gaming esports program in Georgia. And, uh, you know, that was a, a really generous grant. Uh, and we were able to hire, I had in the grant, a management team. So we have, well, management and coaching. So we have 26 hours covered every week. Um, I think six to eight of those are, are coaching our team. And the other is, you know, marketing organization. Uh, around that, so we 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 have a a, a team that I manage. Um, I manage the management team <laughs> uh, uh, for both doing and, and the grant does both two things. We do clinics, so you know we have people with disabilities come in, and uh, we we had bought about forty thousand dollars worth of adaptive equipment, so we have this closet full of info, full of full of different devices, so people could come in and we can. Uh, set them up with what they need and we send them on their way with a like a quote-unquote prescription that says this is what you tried this is what your setup looks like this is a link to go get the info go get the product here's some information about places that might fund it if you need it and so we, we we're doing those clinics we're doing some webinars to educate other health professionals or other groups and how to do this uh, next week a week and a half we're going to be at dragon con which is a huge convention on a panel on accessible gaming and you know we spawn nerve gaming which i'm very proud of uh, so we have nerve gaming they play apex legends they uh, they play a call of duty Warzone, and they play rocket league those are the three games 
that they're organized in practice. They play a lot of other games and we just started a game night on Wednesday night. We play more, you know, community-based games among us, fall guys, whatever. Uh, and, and I wrote the grant and we still during COVID, but during earlier days in COVID. So I wrote it so it could all be virtual. And by doing that, uh, our team is open to anybody with uh, an injury or adaptive issues um, in the country. So two of our guys from the playing on the teams are, are local to Atlanta and the other, the other guys are, are, are not within commuting distance. And so and anyone can, who's interested in actually doing team play can, can join the team or any teams around the country that want to play. You know, so we're beginning to plan some scrimmages with New York, with the quad gods. We've reached out. Unfortunately, I don't think they have a team anymore. We reached out to Craig. They used to have a team. Uh, but but we're, we're looking for other teams to scrimmage with. And we're planning a fundraiser called uh, Nerve Campaign for Inclusive Gaming, which will you know culminate in the end of October, where we're going to play a professional team here in Georgia, Atlanta Premier. So we're sending them some Xbox adaptive controllers, giving them time to, to practice. And they're going to play our guys with whatever adaptations they, they need. This is the, our apex team against their apex team. Uh, and so, you know, that's going to, you know, hopefully be, be fun watching these other pros trying to compete against our, our guys are, some of our guys are top level. We got folks that are, you know, one first and third in a, in, in a PVA, uh, in a PBA uh, tournament recently. So uh, we, we have some serious players and I think, you know, they'll go head to head against other players, especially if the other players have to work on uh, adaptive uh, equipment. So I'd, maybe we'll do a one-on-one a, a -on -one with, without the other team doing adaptive equipment and see how we hold up. But we're gonna look at, you know, creating a, a rule set that's really accessible you know, to make it fair for people who are using adaptive equipment to, to compete. So yeah, they, the, the United Spinal Association's adaptive esports and community, you know, in gaming uh, program has been taking up a lot of time, but I'm very proud of how far we've come in just about just short of nine months. Really. I think we were up to almost 80 people on our discord server. Uh, I, I'd have to send you a link, you know, for people who want to join our discord server. Um, but most of those folks are, are, are people with spinal cord injuries and mostly high levels uh, who are interested in gaming. So we're really creating the community that we sought to create. We're really creating awareness through, you know, being at conventions, you know, Dragon, Dragon Con is huge. We were at MomoCon, which had 40,000 people. Uh, we're Southern Fried Gaming. So here in Atlanta, you know, we're, we're like the heart of esports, you know, so it's um, wherever I go for, you know, I bought a company, Contender Esports. It's a, it's a land center. It's a computer gaming center. Um, and so I'm, I'm out at a lot of these places uh, because uh, as an owner of a franchise, and I always make sure I get a table for nerve gaming. So we're, you know, we're really out there, uh, really promoting uh, adaptive video gaming and esports. I, 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 it's so easy to say adaptive esports, but not everyone has to be competitive. You know, we want to get people playing for, for fun and community is number one, you know, getting people together, playing something, having fun together and creates bonds and relationships. And if someone needs help with something else, you have a nice tight group, you know, team members or, 
or game game night members that really understands you and, and could help. You are speaking my language, Dr. T, because I'm a gamer. I worked on on a number of video games uh, in the accessibility side and 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 just to hear um, what you're talking about is music to my ears because it's something as uh, a gamer before my accident, I never thought that I would be able to to game again and it wasn't until um, maybe a decade after my injury that I started embracing gaming again. And I don't know if you have witnessed this with ones that you have worked with in this field, but talk about when ones find out that they're able to game, what has that done to their, uh, just their, 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 their mentals, their. It's just amazing because we, we've had this one guy and uh, he may be a new mobility and the issue coming up sometime, but Mac, he was a teenager and lacrosse player, very active, very competitive, uh, had some rare disease resulted in a stroke. And, uh, so he lost his, his mobility, he lost his speech. Uh, and so he was at our clinic and, uh, another guy with the quad, um, Cougar helped set him up in addition to some rehab professionals we had volunteering there. Uh, but really another quad helped him mostly, uh, you know, do, do his setup. So we had a, a an Xbox controller with uh, a lot of buttons and then with the, his hand that functioned, he had a, a controller in co-pilot mode and he hadn't played in four years. You know, you said 10 years, but nowadays people are learning faster. And, you know, the, the, the look of joy on his face. And then he happened to live. We, we did the clinic. The, the, the adaptive sports and everything is totally separate from contender esports, but I happen to start the adaptive sports and I own contender and we keep our equipment at contender esports. So we did the first clinic there. And so he happened to live uh, near my, near my store and he came back on his own, you know, with, uh, with a friend and a brother or something, a few people, his mom bought a, a, a family membership. Uh, my son runs the store. And so he knows how to hook everybody up. So he just comes in now on his own in the community with his, able-bodied friends and, and family and and plays and so this has given them another uh, vehicle for for competing and and for gaming and just having fun with everybody else and that, that's one thing i notice about gaming dr t is when we make gaming inclusive for all and and make it open to to a lot of different individuals out there it's it makes it just a a wonderful world for gaming and I, and I'll I'll quantify that with this there's a segment of our population that has no idea that gaming exists for them and and that's why this discussion that you and I are having when they're talking about uh, esports adaptive team and all these things you know we're, we're bringing some, some some joy to people's hearts right now we are uh, making the wheels go off in their heads saying you know what I could be a professional adaptive esports player, and that and that's really our goal. What we're trying to be, like some of these uh, these teams that are put up in these lofts with these chefs, yeah. with yeah. these per diems. You know, we want that for our community. We want that, and that's and, what. Yeah, and and that's my, my goal is to get our team sponsored. You know, Nerve Gaming, and so this will be our first fundraiser. 
but I'm pushing to, you know, gain awareness as much as possible here in Atlanta. And as I said, we've got some major players here in Atlanta in the area of esports. And, uh, you know, the more awareness we could get, the more people on our side. And, you know, you're, you told me you were on the board of um, uh, Dagger Gaming. And, and I was checking out their website yesterday. And actually, uh, right after I talked to you, Mike uh, was in a meeting with me. Uh, I was slipping on his last name. He's a writer, blogger, and he's going to be on the panel uh, with us at, at, at DragonCon. Uh, but, but what really, you know, because um, I am not, uh, I'm new to gaming. You know, I'm doing this kind of to, to help other people. And, We're going to change not, yeah, yeah. So I, 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 I'm not um, a gamer myself, but what they said is that when game developers pay attention to accessibility, it just makes the game better for everyone. And that's so true to talk to any, you know, woman with a stroller or a man with a stroller with a baby carriage, you know, uh, who, you know, benefits from a curb cutter for an automatic door, you know, uh, or talk to anybody at the airport who chooses to go into the accessible store stall to either just do their business or change. Right. Uh, uh, and so people are really, you know, everyone, I think, benefits from a universal design and accessibility. And I think that the, and what I understand is this, this is very true too, because they just make better, better working games when they pay attention to accessibility. Um, so yeah, yeah, no, it, it really takes a great team. I have this, um, well, Adina Bradshaw, she's now vice president of technology at United Spinal who brought us together. So early on, you know, when I was seeking, when I was writing the grant, looking for people to help, you know, I'm, calling around and someone said i need to talk to adina and so adina right from the beginning was quite you know excited and supportive and has been a you know instrumental part of our program and as i said we researched and i put job descriptions out interviewed a lot of people for managing uh, the the program i ended up uh, you know one guy convinced me to hire his company called evolve uh, to be the management team. So I actually have three people on the management team. One primarily focuses on, on all the, the, the marketing, you know, websites, social media, et cetera. One focuses on organizing the team and the coaching. And the other one is more on the general, general management of, of everything. And they, they, but they work well together and they work well with us and really have helped us uh, Kevin, who who oversees the coaching and and really recruiting too, is I, I credit him for finding out these great guys with spinal cord injuries from all over the country, through just searching everybody's Discord, you know. So he did a really grassroots outreach and and you know we're connecting gamers who who weren't connected before, and, and they get along well together. So yeah, we have a pretty awesome community out there, don't we? we yeah. We definitely do. And Dr. T, is there anything else you'd like to let us know about the fundraiser, about the adaptive esports? Uh, yeah. So the fundraiser, as I said, it's going to be uh, the Nerve campaign for inclusive gaming, and we're, I think we just uh, we're going to get work with this company, Soft Giving, which is going to allow us to make an overlay, uh, which will have a button uh, where people can give, and so we're going to be looking to recruit folks who stream. And folks with a following, you don't have to be uh, an influencer with a million people. But if you do, we, we welcome that. But even if you just have 100 people or so 
that that follow you. Uh, we know that gamers are um, generous people, uh, and so when you know one gamer asks another gamer to help support a cause, uh, uh, I've been doing a lot of studying and researching about donations and fundraising. Uh, gamers give almost uh, like fifty percent of the people who from a stream will give something. So, which is really amazing compared to general kind of fundraising type thing. So anyone who wants to get involved, they should contact me. Um, boy, what would be the best address? Uh, we, if you could remember uh, eSports at United Spawn Atlanta, I don't know, um, or just DRM Tepper uh, Gmail. Uh, we, we could post a, a link. Um, but yeah, anyone who wants to get involved, you know, point them in, in our direction and we'd be glad to get them a, an overlay that they could put on during the month of, uh, hope to launch this at the beginning of October and, and, you know, culminate October 28th with this scrimmage. Awesome. Uh, Dr. T, um, really enjoyed chatting with you about your, your journey in the SCI community, uh, but also the work that you're doing uh, to educate us uh, when it yeah. comes to many things out there and you taking the bull by the horns when it comes to esports. And uh, like I said earlier, we're going to turn you into a gamer. So, all right. And I'm I, looking- just an honor to be interviewed by you, who someone who's on broadcast radio has interviewed such great people, you know. I really hats off to you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. And I'm looking forward to, uh, to our next chat, Dr. T. All right. See you at some meeting. A huge shout out to Dr. T. Really enjoyed chatting with him about his uh, spinal cord injury uh, journey. But not only that, how he's helping our community out when it comes to sexuality. And we can't forget about gaming, adaptive gaming. Y'all know me. You know what I'm about gaming. You know I love some video games out there. And to hear what he's doing out there is really really amazing have we not heard of the chimes at midnight i know you guys heard that that's the clock going off telling me paul shut up and tell people to go to the website unitedspinal.org go there you can find out about our strong will together campaign but also about some of the great things that we have going on here at unitedspinal.org our tech access group which i'm a part of you can find out about our tech talks you can find out about everything we have going on and for you not businesses out there but for you businesses out there because if you in business that means you're successful so you can go there and find out some things how we can help you out uh, when it comes to hiring ones from our community you can find out things about uh, what's going on um, here at united spinal and how you can be a part of it how you can help us out well it's time for me to get out of here but before i let you go Remember, stay healthy, stay safe, and I love you guys to life. Take care, folks. Till next time.